Good afternoon, Tidewater Sports fans, and welcome to episode 83 of Sports Talk with Rags. And today we are joined here by uh, ESPN Radio, Virginia Preps, and also just uh, announced here in the last month as the voice of the Lady Monarchs. But Matt Hatfield has joined us today. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mark. Good to be with you. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. I know. Uh, let's let's start out the beginning here. So uh, I know that I've uh, listened to your uh, weekly Saturday morning uh, show from ten to noon, and I know that that has uh, changed its name here over the years. But uh, how long have you been um, on radio and uh, following local sports? Yeah, it's interesting. I actually began just doing some freelance calling into the high school football scoreboard show many, many years ago that Richie Somerville hosts. Oh, yeah. And then in 2010, I was hired by Max Media uh, in January of 2010 and got my first show at that time. It was the VirginiaPreps.com hour with Rod Johnson and me. And Rod actually is now an assistant football coach at Lakeland High School in Suffolk. He was with me at Virginia Preps for many, many years, sort of ran the site alongside a guy named Zirkel Blakey, who brought me on and December of 2004, I ended up uh, purchasing, becoming the publisher of Virginia Preps, part of the uh, Rivals Network in November of 2016. Um, so I've been on radio uninterrupted in some way, shape or form, whether it was first VirginiaPreps.com hour or then the high school sports talk presented by VirginiaPreps.com. We kind of morphed the two shows together. It was Rod and now I do it with the coach that uh, Nance River basketball coach, Ed Young. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun, and I've enjoyed it. And we've kind of mixed what we had with our weeknight show, the 757 at 6 with the high school show. So it's right. got kind of a blend of a lot of different things. I just wish we had more time to cover everything because you just can't get to everything local, whether right. it be basketball, football, baseball. I mean, there's so much to get to in two hours. We try to jam as much as we can and make it an enjoyable listen for the audience. Yes, and, uh, you know, I mean, uh, high school football. I mean, I mean, college College football, you know, uh, SEC, ACC, you know, and uh, the University of Texas has their own uh, network. And, you know, college football is big news in the offseason. Well, I mean, high school football, I mean, even uh, pre, pre-pandemic, I mean, that was uh, in-season, off-season. People wanted to know about high school football and where the seniors were going to go on to college, you know, definitely um, definitely a following here in the 757 for high school football. Oh, without a doubt. You're just spot on, Mark. And what was odd last year at this time, we didn't have a high school football season. The VHSL had those condensed shortened seasons for the fall athletes with football and field hockey and so on. And then with winter sports, they actually kind of got it going. The winter sports did with your basketball and, and wrestling and so forth. And then the spring finally got its chance after not having at all a season in that 2020 calendar year, uh, which was so rough for them. So it was interesting when we got back on radio because I had like about a week and a half hiatus from the end of my 757 at 6 show to the rebranding of 757 Saturday Sports Talk. We kind of delved into more of the college and pro topics, but sprinkled in some of the, you know, how is this guy doing at the major league level from here, like a Chris Taylor from Cox High School who's now with the Dodgers or a Brandon Lau from Nansman River who's with 
the Tampa Bay Rays and some of those athletes and kind of give some updates on NFL guys from here and so on and so forth. But the neat thing I think we get told from different people is they love that we try to give every week we start off with the high school football scoreboard because I think there's so much necessary not having that big-time pro major team. Yeah, we've got the Tides, we've got ODU, we've got the Admirals. We've got a lot of great things in our area with minor league sports and college sports too. But not having that pro team, there's such a large following and love for all kinds of high school sports here in the 757. Yes, and, uh, you know, definitely I know with your uh, co-host there, Coach Young, I mean, definitely um, a lot of uh, athletes here coming out of the 757 there with the uh, – there that plays uh, – basketball i mean i moved here in the fall of 87 so the senior indian river was was alonzo morning you know and uh they'd come over to western branch you know and uh at that time western branch wasn't very good but everybody wanted to go see alonzo morning and then also with doing this uh stream right before the conference tournament back in March, uh, Mike Sharp and I, we had Tony Rutland on, you know, so, uh, you know, he's Bethel alum, you know, so definitely give some props here to uh, basketball. It's definitely some uh, great, great basketball players have uh, come out of the 757 as well. Oh, without a doubt. It's funny because the game I've run into a lot of veteran coaches, in addition to Coach Young, that always tell me about the great game back in the uh, day between Alonzo Morning uh, and Indian River against Cornell Parker, the former UVA great. Uh, yes. That triple overtime 20 to 19 uh, stall ball game in <laughs> 1988. I wish I was around for some of those matchups and so forth. But uh, what you hear with Coach Young is what you get. I mean, that's he is authentic. There's a lot of people on radio and television that aren't you know, they kind of give you an act. They're not who they are. That's who he is. He's authentic. And I appreciate that with some coaches. He's going to say some things you might like, some things you might not. But we've been fortunate enough to build a chemistry. And he can kind of jab me. I can jab him back a little bit. Um, and I think that makes for, you know, some entertaining listens at time. But um, the guy's been doing it a long time and uh, got a lot of respect for what he's done, both in the coaching ranks and also just his opinion on sports and the connections he's got. He's been able to get us a lot of neat guests over the years on our show, too. So uh, it's been a real pleasure. Yes, and uh, I know uh, with um, my wife and I following the uh, ODU men's men's program. I mean, I've uh, I haven't connected with uh, Nick Wright, you know, coming on, but I know that that was one of Coach Young's former players, and with the NBA getting ready to start, you know, uh, Ben Finney's mother there with uh with with the Mavericks and Ken Baysmore, you know, at an old Dominion. He's had a good uh NBA career. Funny story about Rick Wright, one of the uh happiest kids you ever meet. He's always got a smile on his face. He's always just real and um enjoying life. And I was able to cover in two thousand seven with Virginia Preps the uh Beach Ball Classic where Nansman River played Duncanville out of Texas, which at the time was ranked number two in the country. In fact, Sporting News had him preseason number one. And uh, Nick just missed an alley-oop from Andre Jones, who was one of his wingmates there, went on to Winthrop in that game in double overtime. Would have put him up five. They lost the game in double OT. Every time I see him, that game gets brought up and that trip down there, I got to ride the bus and cover not just Nansman River, but Bishop O'Connell was in that same event. And they had Kendall Marshall at the time, who played at North Carolina and then briefly in the NBA. So that was really uh, one of the more uh, – 
exciting trips have you had a chance to cover with high school sports going on the road with the team kind of seeing how things were behind the scenes and that was in 2007 but uh nick wright one of his many success stories and yeah this is the list and list of guys rags you know this even some that don't make it to the pro level or be, yeah. become big time stars there's somebody's got a story and we like to tell those stories be it on our airways or just when we're covering out athletes even with virginia preps yes and uh i know with uh I know with my job, I had to step away from helping uh, Coach Wright there with the Western Branch Varsity Baseball uh, program, but I know definitely uh, some of the kids that graduated in 2014 and 2015 that started the uh, Bruin, Bruin Crazies, you know, they were definitely uh, definitely followers of your uh, you and Coach Young's uh, show, you know, and, and while I helped with the uh, baseball program you know tried to uh you know get get you guys to, i know you've had coach wright and some other uh bruin baseball alums but i know that uh definitely people want to uh listen you know it's i mean the money maker sports are football and and basketball i mean nothing against the other high school sports but you know the fans definitely you know the Two popular ones are football and basketball. For sure. And it's, you know, uh, the thing I love about going to Western Branch for a game, and uh, even just the other day I was speaking with Paul Hall, the basketball coach, and just the camaraderie and uh, with all the different coaches. He was giving Roland Wright a lot of credit with the baseball program and so forth. But getting a chance to cover their game the other day for football against Indian River, um, that Bruin Crazies, you mentioned it. I mean, there's a lot of great fan bases. The River Rowdies have a great fan base as well. And as remember, but the Bruin Crazies are something else. And just the, when a team is winning, you see that pageantry. Um, and excitement for high school sports in Western Branch. It's in a lot of ways second to none with what they have over there with their athletic programs. And they've had some great coaches over the years. You think of Lou Johnson for football. I like what Rashad Cook is doing there now. And Roland Wright's built them into a state power year in and year out. They've had so many guys go on to the next level and excel, um, whether it be at Christopher Newport, whether it be at Radford, you name the school that they're at and doing well. And then the basketball program is in a lot of ways, quietly done very well under Paul Hall, too, who was with Coach Young for many years at Nansville yeah. and runs a very similar program. Um, and I think it's all about, you know, this, Rex, from seeing it, whether we're talking about football, baseball, basketball, it's all about the foundation pieces, having discipline, hard work, and doing things fundamentally the right way. And I think all those guys that we're just hitting on, there's a common theme with them. They're veteran, they're old school, they're no-nonsense, they don't let you cut corners. And those are the programs that have success. And it's good to see Western Branch football kind of having some of that excitement. I tell you what, and I'll give even Bruce Rader a shout out about this from Wavy 10. I mentioned this on a Saturday show. I was flipping around the dial watching some highlights, you know, Friday night lights come on and some others. I don't usually watch those on Friday nights because I'm so busy into entrenched into what's going on and getting my hats hits ready for Twitter, giving my little quick takeaways. But I got home and I said, you know what, I've had a lot of blowout games this year, but to have a game go down to the wire, 14-7, goal line stand, that's what you want in high school sports. It didn't matter if any River won or Western Branch won. You want a game to come down to the very end, whether it's the team getting the score to two-point conversion, sending it to overtime, or getting the stop. That's what it was all about. So, yeah, I mean, that's what you want to see when you go to a high school football game, those memories, those moments. And I think that sticks with the players, the coaches, the media, and the fans, everyone there. Yes, and, uh, you know, and as we are uh, moving on to high school football, I mean, uh, you know, here we are the you know getting ready here for the third week in october and the vhsl you know here on here on monday you know releases their first um 
for power power rankings there in each of uh, group one all the way through group six. Uh, any um, any any surprises there uh, that you see that have uh, come out not only in our area but here in the state? Sure. I mean, I think you start at the top with 6A because that's the largest classification. Everybody's going to say, how is Oscar Smith not number one? Well, it's not based on your score margins. It's based on a formula of who you beat, who they've beaten. You get the same amount of points for beating a team 63 nothing as you do winning 14-13 or losing by 56 points as you do by losing by touchdown. And so Oscar Smith's going to gain more points coming up because they have Kingsport on the schedule. They have Western Branch. They have a game they've added with Phoebus on November 5th, yeah. which is going to be at Beard DeLong Easley Field. So no panic there, but I do think it makes for some compelling, dare we say, shall the seeds hold second round matchups, whether you group them from Manchester or Thomas Dale from Richmond to Oscar Smith and Western Branch from Chesapeake here in Tywater, some of those second-round matchups should we get, and again, just to say if it's Thomas Dale and, and Western Branch, they're both physical teams, Oscar Smith and Manchester, they both have some spread-out talents uh, on the outside there in the perimeter. I think those make for some interesting matchups. I think there's a couple teams, Mark, that kind of uh, strike me as underrated, and I mentioned this on, on my Saturday show last week. We know about kind of the undefeated or the teams at the top of those districts. You know, here locally, we know about Oscar Smith in the Southeastern, Maury in the Eastern District, which, by the way, it now looks like they're just going to have six games this year. So that could affect them mm -hmm. a little bit here for the power ratings because one of their upcoming, uh, upcoming opponents is in COVID protocol. But Maury, Oscar Smith, Green Run, who's got a big game this week from the beach, and then Phoebus on the peninsula, Lafayette on the Bay Rivers. I think there's some one-loss teams or some second place on the peripheral teams in those districts that you got to watch out for. And, and the Bay Rivers, nobody's talking about Warhill and York. I mean, York's got a running back in Jordan Lennon we just highlighted on Virginia Preps who's going to Davidson with over 1,000 yards rushing in six games. And he had York up 10 on the defending state champs Lafayette. And they're in 3A where you've got, and I pointed this out on my hat's hits, you got four schools in Phoebus, Lake Taylor, Hopewell, and Lafayette that have, you know, almost 20 state championships. So York doesn't get a lot of attention in the Bay Rivers. Moving over to the southeastern, Western Branch's resurgence is well documented, as it should be. But Kings Fork is quietly undefeated here in Suffolk, which had to play just its Suffolk bubble this past year. They don't have maybe the headline guys on offense names that you would think of like Davon Grayson a few years ago went to East Carolina or Chuck Clark who now plays for the NFL Baltimore Ravens. But Kyrie Moisten on defense who's going to Virginia Tech and Tavius Higgs, they've got some real pass rushers. So I'm looking forward to that game on Friday night. I'll be there for Oscar Smith, Kings Fork to see just how for real that defense is against the top shelf offense. And then the beach in the Eastern District, Kempsville's getting so much love and attention. I walked the halls at Kempsville as coach. Young always jokes me on the show. I'm a, I'm a Kempsville guy. My whole family went to Kempsville. But right. while they're a great story, nobody's talking about five and one Bayside, who tripped yeah. up against Cox, outgained them by a lot of yards. Um, they got the Pro Football Hall of Famer coaching them, does right. Cox and Alan Fenica. But Bayside probably should have won that game. They had a touchdown called back on a penalty. So if they were 6-0 and right now, instead of not being ranked at all in the uh, newspaper's top 15, they'd be talked about as a top 10 team and watch out for Bayside. Now we're going to see how good they are against Green Run on Friday night because that's a tough test. But if you look at Bayside statistically on defense, they're only giving up about six, seven points per game. So John White's not getting any love for coach of the year, but I like what he's doing. And then the Eastern District, certainly Lake Taylor and Moore get the attention. But Booker T has, in my eyes, the best running back that people need to see in Jerome Jones. This kid runs mean 
angry, violent, and they're a fun team to watch out for. They get a little bit out of character at times. They do a little bit of some crazy, shall we say, childish stuff, but Booker T is fun and entertaining. So they could be, if we got like a Booker T York game in 3A, that might seem like two totally different types of philosophies and styles, if you will, but that could be an entertaining game that goes under the wire in the playoffs while everybody's talking about Phoebus and Lake Taylor and Lafayette and some of those schools. So I think there's some teams on the outside looking at the power ratings that these next couple of weeks will tell us a lot because when they put up the first installment, none of these matchups are going to stick. You're going to see a lot of movement. Right. And, you know, and I pretty much uh, realized uh, the group five, uh, region A, region B, you know, how tough it was in baseball, you know, because Cox and First Colonial, you know, dropped down to five. But, but I mean, here in, here in football, I mean, even with Western Branch's, uh, match on uh, on Friday night at Hickory. I mean I see that uh I see that the Hickory Hawks uh you know right now they're they're an eight seed, you know, so uh you know when when's the last time you know Hickory football has uh played played for the playoffs. You know it's uh they never made it, never made it. right yeah. right and you know and so here with class six, you know, only being, you know, our area here with 6A, I mean, class five, you know, region A, region B here is, uh, you know, definitely uh, stacked here with some uh, great, you know, no matter what sport it is, you know, just to survive in class five region is, uh, is just a tough task. Oh, it absolutely is. And the great thing, I think, for area fans, we're talking about football, basketball, baseball, you name the sport. Now with Class 5 splitting into two regions from our area, that means we're guaranteed to have somebody in the state championship in those sports in Class 5. And the neat thing for football is Class 5 and Class 6 games will be held at Old Dominion for the state finals. Um, So people are kind of looking at that collision course. Are we going to have Maury? and Green are on the state semis to see who gets out of there. I would say at this moment today, it's very probable. But as you well know, Mark, from all the years of watching high school sports, anything can happen. We're talking about teenage kids, an injury, weather. You know, we'll see how Green Run adjusts to. They're more of a throw-it team. If they get if they get in a rainstorm or, or a, you know, a snow-type game in late November or December, how do they adjust? And there's going to be some teams. The Kempsville's, the Woodside is playing good defense. I mentioned the Bayside chomping at the bit because all they're hearing from, you know, us so-called experts and media pundits is these are the teams that are going to win. This is the matchup. We, we fell in that trap a couple years ago. You might recall Indian River Highland Springs. We tipped on about this is going to be a huge showdown. Then all of a sudden, Maury came out of nowhere next thing you know Doreen McCain's got them on a three-year run of consecutive regional championships and they knocked off Indian River at Indian River a year after giving up 70 plus but I'll tell you this and you remember the days of the old Western Branch Deep Creek rivalries in the late 90s early 2000s with some of the greats like D'Angelo Hall and Dre Bly those games at the end of the year used to matter so much because it could sometimes mean you're in winning you're in you lose if you're out how are guys that used to coach at like Kempsville and Hickory feeling take a Jeff Beard Hickory right. knocks off Oscar Smith in 2006, long district running streak. They win six, seven games. They had the Brown brothers. In fact, one of the Brown brothers now coached them. Now you might have a two or three win team making the playoffs with this 18 field. Kempsville lost one year out of the playoffs because of a three team draw out of a hat. They went eight and two. And Jeff McGowan's got to tell his kids, hey, we're out because of a draw out of a hat. Now you got some teams making the playoffs at two and eight, three and seven. So it's changed. 
I think some change for the better, not all for the better. If it was up to me, I'd like to see kind of the NFL format of a 16 playoff where you reward the one and two seeds buys for having a great regular season and go to six teams, three versus six, four versus five, because these regions now having only about nine to 12 schools, you're going to end up with some bottom feeders that aren't really playoff level teams at one and nine or two and eight. Yeah. I mean, with, uh, I, I mean, I didn't realize that Woodside, you know, dropped down to five, you know, cause they were, uh, they were six at one time, but, but, uh, you know, let's just take, uh, group six, a, as an example, I mean, you just have to finish in the top eight and there's only like 11 or 12 teams here, here in our area. And I see right now, I mean, when's, when's the last time Grassfield football and Lansdowne football have, have been at the bottom, you know, um, a little, uh, little different down years, those for, uh, those two those two programs but uh you know um yeah definitely some uh exciting um matchups i mean west branch oscar smith is still out there oscar smith and king's fork uh this friday is that at smith or at, at smith fork? Oh, yeah, it's okay. at smith i mean there's some great games left and to your point on the grass for lansdowne they met 10 years ago in the playoffs in a first round game I mean, yeah. Lansdowne's produced Percy Harvin. They've had some greats over the years. They've won a state championship. Grassfield, speaking with Marty Asper this summer, he's like, when's the last time a school had a guy get drafted in baseball, have a guy, uh, and that was in uh, Justice Bigby, MLB draft, a guy yeah. win a uh, medal at the Olympics in Grant Holloway yeah. and have a guy get drafted in the NFL in Patrick Jones. I mean, that school had that all happen in the same calendar year, and they've not won a game this year. But that tells you also a little bit of – I think of the five districts, and I've gotten into some – I would say lively debates, not arguments or confrontations on Facebook with some folks about on one of the football pages, what's the best district this year? And I think it's cyclical. I think it changes from year to year, whether it's the beach one year or the southeastern. I think I give the nod this year to the southeastern over the eastern by a hair, and I put the beach third, peninsula and Bay Rivers after that. The peninsula for many years was dominant in the 90s. There was no arguments about it. The Curry years of Hampton, the Phoebus years with Taj Boyd and Adibi and them, it was the best football round, you know, point blank. But – I'd say right now the Southeast has got the nod over the Eastern. I think the Eastern has improved the most in recent years, and I think it's a mixture of things with them implementing middle school football years ago. I think they've gotten more serious about it. They've gotten some quality coaches with, obviously, a Hank Sawyer at Lake Taylor and a Dereen McCain at Maury leading the way for programs that won state championships here recently. But it goes in ebbs and flows and cycles. And um, I do think that we've got some great matchups uh, still awaiting us. Uh, like we mentioned with Smith, Kings Fork, and Western Branch there, the beach, you know, will anybody challenge a green run? We'll find out with Bayside this week. And then I wouldn't even sleep on that Maury Booker team matchup coming up in a couple weeks in Norfolk to see if the Bookers can give, you know, the Maury Commodores a scare. And uh, that could be a real battle uh, come, you know, last week of the season or second to last week of the season, I think it is when they play to see if that Booker T running game can keep a – the contrast in styles is what also appeals to me because, as you all know, there's teams that like to air it out and some that want to control the clock and what wins out as we get closer to playoff football in November. Right, and just uh, real quick, I mean, I appreciate uh, you coming on here and talking about uh, uh, your career and, you know, uh, high school sports, and then we'll get – here to your uh, latest assignment, but I mean, Lakeland, you know, in the Southeastern district, but they're not, at least for football, 
they're not playing Western Branch, Grassfield, or Smith. I mean, do you see maybe in the next couple of years, maybe districts going away and does uh, a 10-game schedule there around uh, the, 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 same, the same class, you know? I, I I don't know. Do you see a change in here in the next four or five years? I, I might. It's a great question, Mark. And I actually asked this question to Hank Sawyer a couple weeks ago because, as you know, there's some teams that have had to make schedule adjustments because of COVID. In fact, he added a game with Mills Godwin last week. In Lakeland's case, um, and Coach Joe Jones over there used to be at Oscar Smith, he and his guys spoke with their administration and said, look, this is nothing against the Class 6 schools, but we're in Class 3. We're just trying to you know scrape by and fight and get in the playoff door. So right. what benefits us playing those sixes like Western Branch, Oscar Smith, Grassfield, or maybe playing a Southampton who's more of a local nearby type of rival, a Smithfield who they had scheduled. The game has since been postponed. We'll see if they make it up or not. And those games might benefit them more playing those schools nearby in proximity and in size of their athletes. Because, again, a Class 3 school, there's a big discrepancy. And I don't think it affects sports – uh, all the sports it does with football right. because you gotta have a, you gotta have 22 men 11 on offense 11 on defense but right. in sports that are like basketball it needs only five or other sports it might not be as big a deal i think there are coaches though and i know coach sawyer was one of them mentioned to me like i like to just schedule 10 games if it means nine district games this year or four the next year so be it they want to have that flexibility because again they see on the college level those coaches have more flexibility to go schedule out of district games and it's one thing i think hurts the beach district and i've been on this for a few years in fact i've even voiced this to david rhodes of virginia beach i said i think it hurts your teams playing a closed district schedule all 10 games against each other no out of district uh teams i think it's a negative for them and in the Eastern District's case, they have to go find more out-of-district games. Right. There's only eight schools in the Eastern, so they got to find at least three. If you're in the Eastern District, what is the point of, you know, having – it's just there's something they need to look at and evaluate to see what is best for each individual school in their case because there might be a year where a Lake Taylor, who's a three now like Lakeland, they got a loaded team or a stacked squad. They can go play some sixes. Or it might be the case of, you know, we don't have enough guys. I think the one thing I do see, and I'm really concerned about, Mark, uh, and it's kind of answers your question around about way is we're getting to a point now with football and participation and fewer kids that we're going to see some schools that aren't successful cut back on programs. We're seeing some JV teams not even be fielded. We're seeing some schools not have a season at the lower levels, class one and class two. And that disappoints me. And I would be very concerned moving forward uh, that trajectory if it's going the other way. Right. Yes. Like uh, when, when Western Branch played Granby, you know, uh, JV for Western Branch had a had a buy because Granby um, uh, didn't even have a JV JV team this year, and you know, and and you know, Granby. I mean, with living here since '87, I mean, I mean, Granby just just there in Norfolk. You know, that's that's one of the schools that you think would have would have kids to field a JV and varsity program. But I guess, you know, nowadays, you know, where, uh, you know, Maury, uh, Lake Taylor, Booker T, I see is having a great season. You know, yeah, I guess for football, Granby just doesn't have, doesn't have kids to field two teams. 
Well, and I think the COVID season has also hurt matters in a lot of different ways. I had this conversation the other day at, at Boo Williams Sportsplex with Boo Williams about why the, the basketball gap is, is showing. I think it's going to affect other sports too, besides your, your highlight sports like your basketball, your baseball, football. I think some of the smaller schools, some of your female sports, uh, be it field hockey. And I've, I've done some field hockey broadcasting here lately. I've, I've seen a big discrepancy between the haves and the have-nots. But I mean, I remember in 2010, I'll never forget this, Mark, the region championship at the Virginia Beach Sportsplex in Division Six between Bayside and Oscar Smith. Bayside had 39 players, and Oscar Smith had about 80, and Bayside outlasted them 42 to 40. Now, of those 39 players, they had some guys like Quinn Blanding and Taquan Smoke Mizell and Demetrius Nicholson and Anthony Cooper. So if you have the right – yeah. crop of guys among those small good small level players you're good and some of those smaller schools the the king williams of the world the riverheads is on an unbelievable run in class one they've got the right guys and the coaches in place to get them out but if you have multiple things go against you it trends the other way so there, there's some serious concern and i do think we're getting to a point some of the private schools have done this where we're going to see especially the lower levels, eight-man football. Whether we like that or not, those days are coming for some smaller schools because it's either that or not have a team in season at all. Right, and I know with uh, my nephews going to Greenbrier Christian and, you know, Coach Alton was over there and then and then Coach uh, Washington, that's out of uh, Lake Taylor, you know, he and I know that he was on your uh, show when he – when he took over, but you know, the thing with, with eight man, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, here in the immediate area, you know, you definitely have to go find, find your games, you know, there with, uh, with eight man, eight man football, but you know, high school football, I mean, and, and if you go to a school with, with a small enrollment, I mean, at least you can still have have the game and and play football. You know, whether it's eight man or eleven man. Hey, it's, it beats the alternative of not having a season at all. And we've already seen a lot of these kids get some work in seven on seven. So it's just one more guy than that. If you go to eight man, <laughs> I, I prefer the eleven man situation. Yeah. But I mean, if you're telling me what's the, you know what's the better, not having it at all or eight man? I think eight man is going to be something that schools at the smaller level that don't have enough participation, they're going to certainly take a closer look at in the next three to five, ten years. Right. And uh, hey, so as we uh, as we wrap up, I mean, um, you know, uh, your uh, your latest gig here with uh, being the voice of the Lady Monarchs. I mean, uh, definitely some uh, tradition there, and where you. Uh, out at uh, Old Dominion, what was it, uh, last night when uh, Jay Harris and Nancy Lieberman were, were in town to kind of kick off the uh, Lady, Lady Monarchs uh, uh, season? I, I was, and it was a neat turnout there. A lot of loyal, uh, old-school, passionate Monarchs fans, and um, love the energy from all three of them. Jay Harris, who's on TV with ESPN, an alum of the school, as well as Nancy Lieberman, who's – I mean, I was telling someone, I'm like, it's, it's amazing just how personable she is. She'll grab someone's phone. Uh, and hasn't talked to someone in a long time and say, hey, are you on Google Duo? Let's have a conversation. And this is like one of the top five women's basketball players of all time. She's just so real and authentic. And we were privileged enough years ago on the radio when Wendy Larry 
uh, was speaking at Tisha Pinacero's uh, Hall of Fame induction. She's like, hey, you want to talk to Nancy? Here's, I'm going to hand the phone over to let her do an interview with you. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, but that's just who she is. And I think some of the ODU fans saw her emotion towards the end of the night. She talked about why she came to the school and what it means to her. And she got kind of teared up. But you could just see how real and authentic she was with that. And then Delisha Milton-Jones, who, you know, obviously Nancy was very instrumental in Wood Sea League deciding that Delisha would be that coach for the team uh, following Nikki McCray, who we give our thoughts and prayers to. I know she's stepping aside at Mississippi State after some health um, right. reasons. But, I mean, if you're going to follow someone of Nikki stature, you've got to get a home run. And I think they did with Delisha, who's got that WNB experience. And she's going out, Mark. And I don't know how great this team will be right off the bat, but I can tell you this. They've got some personality to them um, with a couple of players and Maggie Robinson, who spoke great last night, and also – uh, the transfer in uh, Iggy Allen from Florida Atlantic. I like her ability and just I think there, there's some leadership there. They bring in Brianna Jackson from Princess Anne, who was a key cog in Darnell Dozier's team winning uh, one of their many, actually a couple of their many, many, many state championships. And she comes in from Miami. So the, the question has been in recent years, do they have the size? Do they have the full makeup? I think they do. It's going to take some time because they have about 10 new faces. I like the direction, though. There's a lot of family feel there. There's great energy. And I know Delisha's going to work her tail off to get them there. So I'm looking forward to being there courtside. I went to many, many, many OD women's games over the years, as I'm sure you do know one over the years when the, con the then Constant Center, now Chartway Arena, would be packed, even yeah. for NCAA tournament games when a Minnesota played Duke one year in the Elite Eight when Duke had Elena Beard and Minnesota had Lindsey Whalen. Um, and those were some great games then. So I know that people are itching to have that, especially after the COVID year, not getting out to kind of see and connect with people face to face. You're having to do it over a computer screen and through Zoom and methods of that nature. So um, it'll be interesting because they have a really interesting schedule. And Auburn comes to uh, Norfolk this year to play them. They beat them a few years ago on the road. So I like the direction they're going. And it should be a lot of fun over there at the uh, old Ted, now known as Chartway Arena. Right. Yes. Uh, I forget that. Uh... Chartway has uh, has the name uh, name name title there there with the arena, but uh, definitely some uh, exciting exciting times. I know that I had uh, Jay Harris uh, come on, and also even had uh, Coach Jones um, coming coming on. But uh, but no, appreciate your time, and also with uh, basketball uh, right around the corner. You know, I've been trying to get, uh, you know, some interest here in basketball coaches. And as we finish with uh, Old Dominion, I mean, uh, Coach uh, Chris Furman there at uh, Nets with Suffolk, who used to be at Western Branch, you know, but uh, and Hampton Roads Academy. But his dad is, uh, is a yeah. Monarch alum. Yeah, Mark yeah. and uh, Chris has done a great job over the years, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's in store for him over there at NSA and uh, you know, this, this whole sports business we're in, it's, it's all about relationships. And um, that's been a thing I've been blessed with to just really develop a number of great relationships over the years with different coaches and players and people just around the sports and community. So um, it should be a fun time. I know people have loved having you know, fans back in the stands because for some of the athletes, I'll tell you what, I'll be perfectly honest with you, Mark, when covering some of these playoff games and even regular season games this past year, and I've watched more, over, you know, the NFHS and streaming devices. But you could even see for the players, they didn't all, and even the coaches, they didn't all acknowledge it, but it was kind of different. So starting to get back to some normalcy uh, and getting back to what we're used to is a great thing for right now. Yes, I mean, I had uh, Larry Larry on uh, right before the uh, 
playoffs there in the spring and you know and him him even sharing that he you know he was uh covering covering games but it was it was from afar you know so it was uh you know i know it's uh definitely shortened shortened season i know that they did have the playoffs but it wasn't it wasn't the same i know that some uh programs have still been hurt by different circumstances this fall but overall you know it's been it's been nice to see uh you know um the high school football starting on time fans back in the stands you know friday night flights you know on channel 10 and then channel 3 and 13 you know covering uh you doing uh your social media and then the Saturday morning, you know, I'm sure it definitely uh, helps helps you and Coach Young with having uh, more things to talk about on uh, on Saturday here in the fall. It's funny you said that because, Mark, this is true. This has been going on for a while, but especially post-pandemic, I should say, getting near the end of the pandemic, we're still technically in it, but then at the start of the pandemic is that I'll finish with a show and I'll get to you know end of the show and I'm looking at my, and I got some notes, some things we just come up off the top and I'll be like, man, I didn't get to this, 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 and this. And right. we're having that happen more often now. Like, man, we didn't hit on this with William and Mary or this with Hampton or this with just different things. It could be this high school team where we didn't get this interview in that we had. We had an interview last Thursday at a game, didn't have time to get it in. So we try to get as much as we can in two hours and we ended up, Sometimes you have to just make tough decisions. You have to cut something or not be able to squeeze it in, but you try to get to and highlight as much. And that's why we love people, whether it be yourself or other fans out there. Um, we have a loyal guy that calls in from Smithfield all the time and Keith, but we love to give the audience a chance to voice your, your opinion, connect with us, be it through the telephone or through social media, through Twitter, hit us up, put up some poll questions. And we're doing more stuff with uh, experiment, more stuff with some of the Facebook live method and doing some things where they can kind of see us as we talk about things and interact with us. Because I think we're getting to that time now where it's, it's more interactive and you want to be able to connect with people um, as you do your show and talk about some of the sports that you see, be it at the pro college or local and high school ranks. So uh, yeah, definitely enjoying it a lot more. And um, hopefully as we get closer to the playoffs, we'll have a lot more to talk about because the grind, as we call it, the overlap as football is towards the end and then the winter sports like college basketball and high school hoops and things like that get started then it really gets crammed yes yeah and i'm and i'm sure because of programming you know i mean especially here in the fall you know 94.1 has you know a game scheduled at noon and then when old dominion football on the pregame you know so you're probably you know locked in there at 10 10 to noon but you know a lot of a lot of stuff but but hey i just uh want to close out by uh thanking uh coach lou johnson on uh connecting us you know definitely you know he's another former guest but definitely a long time uh long time friend you know as uh, my brother and i graduated from western branch but uh he gave me the idea to have you have you come on so i uh, just want to give him a Shout out. Thanks again for coming on there, Matt. Anytime. I really appreciate it, Mark. You be well. All right. And so, hey, so that's a wrap here with uh, high school football and uh, Matt's uh, career and then his uh, new assignment of uh, being the voice of the Lady Monarchs there as uh, 94.1 is the official uh, Old Dominion Athletic Station. So uh, 
Matt, uh, thanks again, and uh, talk to you later. You got it, buddy. Take care. Yeah. All right.